everybody. I'm Emma Houghton, and you are listening to 30 Teams in 30 Days on the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. We are 10 days away from April 1st, which is opening day of the 2021 Major League Baseball regular season. I will spend each day in March previewing all 30 Major League Baseball teams in alphabetical order. So, today is March 22nd, and I continue on with the Milwaukee Brewers. We're getting close to that double-digit mark to April 1st, which is so exciting, the start of this 2021 season. And the Brewers are an interesting team to look at today, as along with the entire NL Central division this year. So, as usual, I'll go through Pakoda, history of the, Bre- the Brewers the past few years, additions and departures, their position battles, starting pitching, bullpen, bench depth prospects, and then I'll finish with my philosophy on the team. So the Brewers have had a lot of success of late. They've made it in three straight playoff appear. They've made three straight play- playoff appearances. Back in 2017, they still were above 500. They were 86 and 76. That was the last time they missed out on the playoffs. In 2018, they were 96 and 67. They won the NL Central that year. In 2019, they were 89 and 73. They got a wild card berth, but they lost to the Nationals in a crushing defeat. Trent Grisham made an error that scored the Nats, and the Nats went on to win the World Series. And then back uh, this past year in 2020, the Brewers were under 500. They were 29 and 31, but in the expanded playoff format they got a wild card berth and they played the Dodgers in the first round so they were bounced early they had pretty much a middle of the pack offseason they added second baseman two-time straight two-time consecutive gold glove winner Colton Wong he is an excellent defender they also added another excellent defender in Jackie Bradley Jr. that was a late signing for them it took a while for Jackie Bradley to finally get a new home And then they also brought on Travis Shaw on a minor league deal. He will most likely make the opening day roster in a starting spot. And then departures, they lost Jeremy Jeffries in the bullpen. He was an excellent addition for them that they are no longer with. He's on the Cubs now. And they also no longer have Ryan Braun. I mean, talk about the face of a franchise for years. Braun was with this organization For many, many years, he's technically still a free agent, but he's telling Major League Baseball that he's currently not interested in playing baseball. He's 37 years old. He hasn't been signed yet. He says that he's staying in shape, but he's not necessarily waiting around for a call. So the Brewers declined his option to bring him back, so he entered free agency, and he's just kind of... He's kind of waiting things out right now. We'll see if he ends up getting picked up or if he'll be a factor at all in this 2021 season for any team across the league. Now let's get into the position battles, and I think we have a few interesting ones to note. So the first, the opening day catcher for the Brewers will be Omar Narvaez. He had a really tough 2020 season, a career worst. He had a 562 OPS. They're hoping he can bounce back to that 2019 form where he had a 813 OPS. He's a lower, lower lineup guy, but he is good defensively. Manny Pena is another option that could see time if Narvaez struggles, but I don't even think he's close to the numbers that he had in 2020. I think that will be the outlier fluke season for him. Now on to first base, it's Keston Hira. 
Hira switched or will switch to first. He's currently playing first base for the first time in his career at spring training right now. He's played second base for the Brewers for the Brewers since he's come up in the past couple of years. But he is switching to first now because of Gold Glover Colton Wands sliding in at second base. So the Brewers had kind of an interesting offseason because instead of picking up some offensive help in the outfield, they went with Jackie Bradley, who's definitely no more known for his defensive prowess than his offensive prowess. And then instead instead of signing, say, a third baseman, a glaring hole in their defense, or a shortstop that was a glaring hole in their defense, they signed Colton Wong. Even though they had Keston Hira at second, he they think he will be the star of their future. And he has the offensive numbers to prove that, even though he did have a down 2020 season. They decided to go with Wong, and because... Hira and Wong are both regulars, Hira has to learn this new position. It's definitely not going to be without some growing pains, but again, they think he is a good enough player that they need him in the lineup and on the field. So that's why he'll be playing first. In 2019 at second, he had 16 errors in 81 games. He definitely did improve in 2020, but to be not that solid defensively just two seasons ago, and then to have to scrap all that and and go play a position like first, where you have to have the defensive skills and you have to have the footwork to work around the bag, that's a big ask. This organization is so high on here. They know that he can do it. He's still very young, and this will definitely be an important year for him. I think they'll, again, give him the slack and the time that he needs but they definitely need to see him improve on his 2020 numbers because across the past two seasons, he has an OPS of 843. They think he can be even better than that, and that's already above league average. Now let's go to Colton Wong. This addition makes the Brewers one of the best defensive teams in the league. They now have four former gold glovers on their roster. Wong is one of them. Like I said earlier, he's won two straight gold gloves when he was with the Cardinals in St. Louis. He's only a career 261 hitter with a 91 OPS plus, but that is not why the Brewers brought him on. He is excellent defensively, easily the best defensive second baseman in the league, and he just makes this defense unstoppable, especially because their starting pitchers make hitters put the ball on the ground so much. I'll get into that more in a bit. Let's transition to Travis Shaw now. He's a left-handed bat, and that is a pretty hot commodity within the organization right now, and that is, I think, the biggest reason why he will earn an opening day spot at third base. So in his career, he's more of a platoon guy. He has an 803 OPS versus right-handed pitchers, which is just about league average. He has a 683 OPS against lefties. With that being said, it's not like the Brewers have a ton of other guys to go to at third base, so you probably will see Shaw there. Just to run through his career a bit, he was in the Brewers organization back in 2017 and 2018. He he hit 258, 63 home runs, and just under 1,200 plate appearances. Very respectable slash line. And then in 2019, he struggled so mightily that the Brewers non-tendered him. 
He hit 157, just seven homers, over 270 plate appearances. He got picked up by the Blue Jays, and then Toronto in 2020, he rebounded a bit. He hit just under 240, a 4'11 slug, six home runs, and 180 plate appearances. Again, the Brewers fill a need with him on the field and in the lineup with that lefty bat. And they just hope that he can rebound. A lot of interesting numbers about his launch angle, Travis Shaw's. And how much he was just launching the ball into the air back in 2018 and 2019. And then right into the ground in 2020, basically. They're trying to find the the middle ground, the perfect balance for him so that he can put up solid numbers for this team. Shortstop, you'll most likely see Orlando Arcia. He was the starting shortstop last year. In 2020, he had a 96 weighted runs created plus number, which is just under league average. He lowered his strikeout rate, which was good. He isn't a natural shortstop, and there are a lot of interesting position battles to watch, as in a lot of interesting bench players to watch. I think if Arcia struggles, this could be the first position that's replaced. He could be replaced first by Luis Urias, which I'll get into a bit, but... Orlando Arcia, I think he'll get the nod because he's been there before and he's played the majority of his career at short, even though he still claims it's not his natural position. If he can hit, that'll help. And that he'll, that'll strengthen his case for being the shortstop of the Brewers for the majority of the 2021 season. Now let's get to the outfield. Of course, a little bit of, of changes here because of the new faces, but I think you will. their starting left fielder will be Christian Yelich. There could be a four-man rotation in the outfield, but Christian Yelich will be your day-in and day-out starter. He he earned a seven-year, $200-plus million extension last March. In 2018, he was the National League MVP. He was also an all-star and a silver slugger that year. In 2019, he finished second in MVP voting, only behind Cody Bellinger, and I believe that Christian Yelich actually might have deserved that award. He also was an all-star in 2019 and a silver slugger for the second straight year. And then in 2020, actually also just to, to rack up and paint the picture of how absolutely explosive Christian Yelich is. If you forget after his fluke 2020 season, Yelich led either the entire Major League Baseball or the National League in batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS plus, and OPS plus. OPS plus in 2019. He was literally one of the best hitters in the game and he finished second in MVP voting. 2020, this is where everything just completely blew up in his face. His batting average dropped over 120 points. He batted 205 in the shortened season. His slugging percentage dropped by 240 points. His OPS plus dropped by 70 points. He was whiffing at fastballs, which he's number, never done before. He was swinging at fewer pitches. He just he just looked like a completely different player. It was unbelievable to watch. He looked nothing like his former self. He was dealing with injuries. It was the crazy 2020 season. He also was one of the players affected by, the most by the lack of in-game video. He's somebody that when he sees a pitcher the second or the third time, his numbers continue to climb because he's... He's so gung-ho about that video and improving his game swing after swing. And he didn't have that. And it really affected him. And 
I think it will be a blip in the past when Christian Yelich has six more years of absolute dominance in the future. The, the Brewers signed him. We've seen example after example in all professional sports leagues of how successful players are. Then they get the bag, and then they decline. I don't think that will happen with Christian Yelich because I think he is one of the top seven best players in baseball. I think he is absolutely... The Brewers needed to lock him down because if they didn't, another team would be after him when he hit free agency in a few years. He will be an absolutely valuable player year in and year out. And 2020 will soon just be, again, a blip on the radar that people forget even happened because it was a shortened 2020 season. Centerfield, right now it'll probably be Lorenzo Cain. And the reason I say right now is because you have Jackie Bradley Jr., who's the natural center fielder, but because Lorenzo Cain has either partially been there longer or has less experience at the corner outfield positions, I see Jackie Bradley shifting to right, Yelich shifting to left, and Cain slotting back in at center. Lorenzo Cain will be a complete wild card this year. Complete. He turns 35 in April. That alone could potentially make him a wild card. He also opted out of the 2020 season after five games. So hopefully he stayed in shape. He now he has his priorities in mind now. He wants to be the center fielder. On opening day in Milwaukee, he won his first gold glove in 2019, which he should have earned about four years ago. So the Brewers' defense in the outfield especially will be absolutely elite. And, and Kane just hopes to bring back those offensive numbers. Hopefully he didn't lose that. When he wasn't playing, when he opted out, again, he was he was putting his family first, which is completely well-respected. But as he gets into this age 35 season, it'll be important for him to bring those offensive numbers back because if he can't, Avisel Garcia is waiting in the wings and he wants that opening day spot too. And now let's touch on Jackie Bradley Jr. Of course, he is known for his defensive prowess. Over his eight-year career in Boston, he's acquired multiple gold gloves. I, I wanted to focus on his hitting because I truly think that he is one of the more underrated hitters in this league. And you have to put a bit of a disclaimer on it because he's still not an above average hitter, but people think he is so much lower than he actually is. So in his career, his career slash line is 239, 321, 412, 98 homers. In 2018, his hard hit rate ranked in the top 4% of hitters. That's Jackie Bradley Jr. Just three seasons ago, the year that the Red Sox won the World Series, his hard hit ranked in the top 4% of hitters. He was also the ALCS World C- uh, the ALCS MVP in 2018. In 2019, his hard rate dropped a bit, but it was still ranked in the top 19% of hitters. And in 2020... He had the best on-base percentage and the best contact rate of his career. Bradley hit 283. He slugged 450. Again, shortened season. I've said it multiple times, but if you're not going to put stock in a player's bad season, that means you can't get carried away by a player's good season in just 60 games. But I do think that people need to put a little bit more respect on Jackie Bradley's offensive numbers because they are there. They might not be as consistent as you want, But you have the defense already. If he can just provide a bit on offense, that makes him an opening day starter. And that's why he'll slot in in right field. Again, he's the fourth goal glover now on this Brewers team along with Kane, 
Yelich, Wong. Yep, those four guys. Bradley, Kane, Yelich, and Wong. Also, just a quick nugget here. In 2020, only DJ LeMahieu had more hits straight away into the opposite field in 2020 than Jackie Bradley Jr. And I've absolutely gushed about how much I love DJ LeMahieu on the Did You Hear podcast and how nobody shifts on him and he's just the epitome of a purebred hitter. Jackie Bradley's turning into that guy. He knew that the shift was a problem. He worked himself to hit through it and he does now. So now let's mention some of those bench bench options. The first is Daniel Vogelback. He is a guy that really saw his playing time cut in half by the Colton Wong signing because Keston Hura needs to be on the field. And if Daniel Vogelback isn't playing first and there isn't a DH in the National League, he's relegated to the bench. He played 19 games with the Brewers last season. He was with the Mariners before that. He hit 328 with four home runs for the Brewers. I think he can be an excellent pinch hit option for them. But again, because of just the way that the Brewers had to shift, he is definitely seeing much less playing time than he probably wants. I mentioned Garcia in 2020. Again, the only reason why I give Kane, besides the defensive prowess, Kane the slight edge over Garcia is because Garcia has such a better OPS against lefties than he does against righties. His 2020 was also abysmal. He had a 3.8 barrel rate. That was less than half of his career rate. So you have to expect him to rebound, but still, I think you go defensively in the outfield, especially if Christian Yelich rebounds, and then you have Garcia off of a pinch hitter role again. And then Luis Urias is the third option. He was acquired from the Padres in 2019 for Zach Davies and Trent Grisham. So that was a big, a big haul there for the Brewers to go out and get him. Him and Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer were going to be the infield of the next decade for the Padres. He was a big part of their plan, and now they sent him over to the Brewers, and in 2020, he dealt with COVID, he dealt with other injuries, and he wasn't able to make the 2020 impact that he wanted to after having such a good on-base percentage in AAA. He can easily saw into that leadoff spot if Yelich bats second or third. But again, he only hit six o. He only had a six o two OPS. I am willing to give Urias some time. He's only twenty three years old. He's only had four hundred and twenty two career major league plate appearances. Let's calm down for a second. Give him more time, and especially give him the full minor league, either the minor league season or the, the switch, the platoon that he might play between the taxiing between minors and majors. Let's give him a full spring training to see how he does. He's playing well at shortstop now. And again, I think if Orlando Arcia struggles, Urias can, without a doubt, go into his place and perform well. So that is the offense and defensive look. Let's start, let's move on to starting pitchers. They're projected by Fangraph's wins above replacement to have the 13th best rotation in the league. It's just above average. Second in the AL and the NL Central behind the Cardinals. Last year, and I mentioned how well this works out for the Brewers now, the Brewers' starting rotation led the league in ground ball rate. They have four gold glovers on that field now. So arguably you think that the pitching is elevated by the addition of Colton Wong because he's so good defensively. This bullpen lives and dies 
by Brandon Woodruff, who I think is a dark horse candidate for the 2020 NL Cy Young Award. He's not as, his name isn't as sexy as Jacob DeGrom or Trevor Bauer or Walker Bueller even. Brandon Woodruff in the small market Milwaukee team absolutely produces. That's it, period. He is so productive. In 2020, he had a 3-2 FIP. 91 strikeouts, just 18 walks in over 73 innings. So his that workload was MLB's seventh highest. He proves how valuable he is in that way. To go through some numbers just to show how elite he really is, again, because I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. Last season, he struck out over 31% of the batters he faced. That was the 11th highest in Major League Baseball. He got a ground ball rate of 49.4%. 11th highest in baseball and he allowed hard contact just 29.4 percent of the time that was the 12th best in, in baseball you could literally argue that Woodruff is one of the 10th best pitchers in the league and Bleacher Report this obviously doesn't amount to much but still getting the recognition Bleacher Report rated his fastball the best in baseball his fastball is absolutely elite it's got the velo it's got the movement Brandon is a Brandon Woodruff is the ace that opposing hitters will not want to face in 2021. And behind him, the one-two punch is pretty good in Milwaukee. You've got Corbin Burns, who finished sixth in Cy Young voting in 2020. He had a 216 ERA plus in the shortened year. But the one concern I have about him is that he threw his career high in innings pitch last season, and it's 59. So all pitching staffs are going to have to worry this year about putting extra workload on their pitchers because they saw such a decrease in workload in 2020 because of the shortened season. You have to work up to that to get back to the normal length in 2021. And the Brewers especially, are go- that's going to be something that's really important to them because so many of their pitchers haven't seen more than 80 innings pitched in their career in one season. Behind him, one guy who hasn't struggled with that, Brett Anderson. He's a 12-year veteran. His career numbers actually aren't bad. He's a 406 ERA guy with a 102 ERA plus, which is above league average. But again, I think he provides more so the veteran postseason experience than striking out 12 batters per nine. You're not going to see that out of Anderson anymore. Behind him, you have Adrian Hauser, who's looking to rebound from his rough 2020 campaign where he had a 482 FIP in 56 innings pitch. Josh Lindblom also looking to rebound from 2020, the beginning of 2020 though, because if the Brewers can see the Lindblom, the version of Lindblom who appeared in the last 14 innings of the season, he had a 245 ERA with 12 strikeouts and just one walk. That's the type of production they're going to need from their potential fourth starter. And actually, that would be their fifth guy. I'm willing to bet that at least at one point in the season, the Brewers experiment with six starters because Freddie Peralta deserves a spot in this starting rotation for the Brewers. His slider, the best pitch in hers in Freddie Peralta's arsenal, his slider averages no less than seven inches of horizontal movement. Seven! It absolutely fools hitters. He had a 308 ERA in 2020, just over 26 innings pitched. Again, the problem with him, his career high, 85 innings pitched in 2019. So they're going to have to work him up, but they are really excited about Peralta can do. And he seems just like an absolute workhorse, strives to get better year in and year out. 
Now we go to the bullpen, which is projected by Fangraph's wins above replacement to be the eighth best bullpen in baseball. I personally personally think that's a bit low because no one-two punch in the bullpen is better than Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Josh Hader will be the closer. When I was doing my research on him, I was actually surprised to realize that he's only been in the big league since 2017. You think he's been around forever. He was an all-star in 18 and 19. He finished seventh in Cy Young voting in, 20, in 2018. He is just the absolute epitome of a closer, one of the best closers in the league. He led the National League in saves last season. He is the anchor you want to have in your bullpen. And they have the reigning NL Rookie and reliever of the year in Devin Williams, who quite literally in 2020 had one of the most elite seasons a pitcher has ever had. Not just a rookie, a pitcher. He threw 27 innings, gave up one earned run, nine walks, and struck out 53 batters. He is absolutely insane to watch, and I hope that he has another lights-out year so, again, he can get the recognition he deserves along with Brandon Woodruff. Behind him, you have guys like Eric Lauer, who could see time in the starting rotation too. Brent Sutter, Brad Boxberger, Drew Rasmussen is a guy that the organization is really high on. I think you will see a lot of different pitchers in this organization because besides those three bench options that I mentioned in Garcia, Urias, and Daniel Vogelback, the starting eight is pretty set. 8, 11, then you have 15 other roster spots that you can fill with pitchers. So there will be a lot of experimenting so that the Brewers can really just just tinker with the best guys they can put out there with the best matchups in, in any given game. I'll finish with prospects before I go to Pakoda. Two are in MLB's top 100. It's outfielder Garrett Mitchell, who's athletic. He has high baseball IQ. He's a great hitter. He ranks at number 65th on MLB's top 100 list. And then another middle infielder, a guy that the Brewers are high on, Bryce Terang. He sneaks in at number 95 on MLB's top 100 prospect list. So, the Brewers, right now, according to Pakoda, are expected to have 90 wins and finish first in the NL Central. I agree with one of those things. I do believe that the Brewers, if they live up to their potential and their expectations, maybe more so, they can be the best team in the Central. I think when Nolan Arenado came over to St. Louis, that vaulted the Cardinals into a lot of people's best team in the Central category, but I don't think he can necessarily do that on his own. And I think behind Jack Flaherty, the Cardinals have some some pitching problems. I've talked about the Cubs. I did them early on in these season previews early on in March. I don't think the Cubs are in a place right now where they have a direction panned out, which means winning might not be their number one priority. Pirates definitely not. Which puts the Brewers in an interesting category because they really under-exceeded expectations or didn't meet expectations in 2020, even though they have some of the best players in the league. I think Christian Yelich you could put in that category. Devin Williams you could definitely peg as the best reliever of the year. He won the award. Josh Hader and even Brandon Woodruff. I think those guys put this team and from being good to being very good and maybe even competing in the National League 
with the really top-heavy NL West and the really completely balanced NL East. The NL Central, a lot of people think it's a joke, but it's not because these teams are all good or average, and it could only take a few games. One bad game could really throw a team's potential into jeopardy. So I do think that the Brewers are going to win the Central because I think they're more well-balanced than the Cubs or the Brewer, or the Cardinals, excuse me. The Reds are the other team in the Central, and I did the Reds recently too. I just don't think they have enough hitting. The pitching is there, but not the offense. I do not, however, think that the Brewers will eclipse 90 wins. I think they'll be between the 85 to 87 range, but that doesn't preclude them from the playoffs. We saw in 2019, they made a wild card game and they only won 89 games. So I think they're right in that 85 to 87, 88 win range. I think they win the Central because I think Christian Yelich becomes an MVP caliber player again. He shakes off whatever happened to him in 2020 and he gets back to his usual self. I truly do think Brandon Woodruff Right now, he's a dark horse candidate because not enough people are talking about him. I think by July, he will be a favorite for the NL Cy Young. I also think that Jackie Bradley Jr. will continue to produce offensively. Colton Wong and Keston Hura shine their gloves and their offense, more so Hura for offense and defense for Wong. And I think this bullpen just continues to shine. And I think they rise into the top five bullpens if they're not already there. Hayter and Williams, along with Woodruff and Burns, are four pitchers that every single team wants in their organization. And I think that elevates the Brewers to being the best team in the NL Central. Maybe They might be under 90 wins, but I think they do get a playoff berth. And then they're going to have to get some, some luck's going to come into it if they want to make a run in the postseason next to all of the other uber-talented teams in the NL East and the NL West, but it'll be a really tight race in the Central. I give the edge to the Brewers because of how well-balanced they are on offense and defense, and that'll wrap up my Milwaukee Brewers season preview. So thank you for listening. As always, make sure to check out the link in the bio of this episode for all the previous season previews that were posted on SoundCloud before I moved over to the Did You Hear podcast feed. Get ready for April 1st. We're almost single digits away, and I will be back tomorrow with a season preview, we switch to the AL Central now, the Minnesota Twins.